people in the family to who have careers to go in on the same, put their eggs in the same basket is almost, you know, it's, it's a wild leap. So, right. but it was that can't stop thinking about it, can't handle the regret of omission of not trying to bring this to the world was the thing that I think actually brought us both into the entrepreneurial space mm. more than that we both, we had a we're just going to start a company. What is it going to be? Yeah. So it didn't, it, the opposite order. Like this thing has to be. So let's keep going. Let's reverse engineer how it will have to yeah, work. Yeah, how, how can we get it, it in every <laughs> park and every family yeah. and every kid in the country? How can every kid be playing outside? Like, how do we do that? And that's just, we couldn't stop trying to answer it. You're listening to the Parent Track Podcast, a show about parenting, careers, and trying to strike a balance between the two. I'm your host, Charlie O'Donnell, and I've created this show with my wife, Asia Singer. Great. So we are super excited to have Brian and Megan Fitzgerald, who are the founders of Tinker Garden, parents of three, and also founders that I got the opportunity to invest in now seven years ago eight yeah yeah i think it's about that <laughs> it's all based on how old your youngest is because that's yeah. true actually. It is. <laughs> in the hospital the day she after she was born a finalized so seven and a half yeah yes we i just always remember that she was present for our first in-person board meeting so yes <laughs> very tiny as a tiny board observer yeah absolutely <laughs> Well, maybe the youngest. And absorbing ever since. Absolutely. <laughs> cool. Yeah. yeah. So do you want to first maybe tell us a little bit about your entrepreneurial journey to Tinker Garden? What is Tinker Garden? And also if you can intersperse like just where you were at the time parenting wise, because this is all about a focus on careers and entrepreneurship and being parents at the same time. So the parental context is helpful. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like we've got some context there. Maybe you can start by your departure and how this all kind of got rolling. Sure. So I am a career educator. So at the time I was a principal in Westchester County, New York, and working with, had been in the classroom, had been a staff developer, became a principal. And in all those different ways of working with elementary school children, felt like childhood was changing in ways that weren't necessarily supporting the child or the outcomes that increasingly kids need, like the ability to think flexibly and adapt to change and work collaboratively and all these things. The the world was getting more adult-driven, more scheduled, more indoors, less time for play and conflict resolution, all the things, problem solving, all the things that we all just were kicked out to do mm-hmm. in earlier generations. And, and was just kept coming upon that happening with all the people I was working with, teachers, parents, and kids. And at the same time, you were working in a startup and we're trying to hire the collaborative, creative problem solver mm-hmm. And finding that to be something that was becoming more challenging with people who were graduating the system ready to perform for the person in the front of the room. And it was like, ooh, something is going on here. And how can we, and this is before kids. So we're planning parenting, we're coming on the verge of it, we're already married. And we're thinking about for our own kids, for kids in general, broadly, there's a need here. And how are we gonna solve that? How are we gonna make sure that our kids have this, these opportunities that allow them to build these skills they're going to need. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I, you know, my background's in consumer technology, and so I had been working on building online products for a bunch of years before this. And at the time, I was at an ed tech startup in New York, and we were focused a lot for a bunch of years on trying to build online experiences to help people learn. But one of the things when Meg and I would talk about this at night, we would always go back and talk about and say, let's like take this down to how would we want to raise our kids as we were getting ready to have a family. And we always ended up going back to the same idea, which was our kids will probably be coding by the time they're five years old, mm -hmm. like mobile devices. Like we, we don't have like concern that technology will not be available to them, but we always asked ourselves, what will they do when they're like in real life interactions? And what if their job changes every six months? And what if they have to work with people all around the world and yeah. different cultures? And by the way, there's a whole big thing called our planet, which we need to save. And how do we yeah. <laughs> actually get them interested in that? So when we started to dive into this, we knew because we were education and ed tech focused, we knew a kind of a dangerous amount about the research around early childhood and the importance of early childhood. But one of the things when we dug in that we realized was kids were spending like half the time outdoors compared to their parents, mm -hmm. which just blew our mind. And we said, I guess, ethically, and also just from a personal standpoint, if we were going to do anything, like what could we make a contribution to? And it, it had to do with just trying to reverse that a bit, trying to make sure that kids yeah. had a little balance in their lives. And, and I think that's when the concept of Tinker Garden got going. Yeah. And as we can talk more about it, as we started to share that with more and more families, it turns out we weren't alone, I think, in that kind of concern. When Tinker Garden was in its like infancy, and you thought about like, how you were going to manage and balance. And actually you already had two kids before you started Tinker Garden. Mm -hmm. And so maybe you yeah. were doing Tinker Garden right around the time between one and two or we the talk first, about Yeah, the first class was 10 years ago. So I was pregnant with number two. Okay. Had one. And number three was a twinkle in our eye. But and for, <laughs> and for, for clarification, Tinker Garden was a project for the first two years. It was right. just a nights and weekends deal that we were yeah. doing. And that was right about the time where, you know, Charlie, we started chatting with you about this concept and the fact that we, yeah. I think both saw that there's no reason why this shouldn't exist in every single zip code in the country and then eventually every place in the world. And so what would it take to actually turn this into a company and scale it? And, and I'm curious about the context of what did you, what were you guys thinking for your career and parenting plans before you thought that Tinker Garden should be a thing? Was there a plan to be a two full-time parent working household or was <laughs> there, were you looking for a project that you could manage on the side? Like what was, what, had you not done Tinker Garden, what would have been set up? That's a really good question. I would answer it that I think you are just entrepreneurial by design in terms of your, what you want to do and how you want to bring things to work. And you can speak to that. And I feel like there's, I, and then both of us found something that we couldn't say no to. So I think that's a key part of the recipe. And so I would want to have kept leading things or started a school or done something like that, but not necessarily wouldn't have seen this unless it presented itself, I would say. Would you agree? Yeah. And I'm, I am thinking back now that yeah. this question is being asked, I'm thinking back to some of these really conversations nice. where we were sitting around and like probably every couple, we've had the occasional conversation of we could start something together. We could do something together. There are a few of those, I would say, but yeah, I don't I think, think we 
really had a specific intention, the point where things got going. I think it was more like we, we shared this passion and interest. It was really fun to hang out when we got a chance to and think about a problem together. We'd taken some time off from, from work when we were early stages of a baby. And I think we just had a little moment of time where we maybe had curiosity and we're having some fun thinking about it together. And I think that's really when it started to spark. Yeah, I would say it's real. The story of this one is just a thread we couldn't stop following. Yeah. And I think even I remember a conversation that you had with Brian. It was like, yeah, I keep hearing about these other things, but tell me about the thing that you really want to do. And that was pivotal <laughs> for us because yeah. it's a huge leap, especially for the two People in the family to, who have careers to go in on the same, put their eggs in the same basket is almost, it's, it's a wild leap. So, right. but it was that can't stop thinking about it. Handle the regret of omission of not trying to bring this to the world was the thing that I think actually brought us both into the entrepreneurial space mm. more than that we both, we had, a, we're just going to start a company. What is it going to be? Yeah. So it didn't, it, the opposite order, like this thing has to be. Mm. So let's keep going. Let's reverse engineer how it will have to yeah, work. How, in order how can for we us get it in it every <laughs> park and every family yeah. and every kid in the country? How can every kid be playing outside? Like, how do we do that? And that just, we couldn't stop trying to answer it. And for context, Brian and I had gotten introduced when he was at a first round portfolio company back at my previous fund. And we had talked briefly about hiring and what the New York market looked like and all this other stuff. And then when he was looking for his next thing, he had reached out and said, hey, we had some conversations about the job market and stuff and would love to, to talk to you. And at the time, there were some, what I thought were pretty interesting positions open that I thought he would have been a good fit for. And so here I am like the person with a trench coat trying to sell him like, hey, well, I've got this position over here and I've got this position over here and just not getting any real reaction from him whatsoever. And at some point I stopped and I was like, hey, these are cool companies. This is interesting. What is it that you're looking for? Because I'm not really getting much of a, any spark of excitement. What are you really interested in? And that's when he said, Billy, there's this thing that my wife and I have been working on and I don't necessarily think it's like a full-time thing, but this is the thing I'm like most excited about right now. And that's when I started asking about it. And, and you guys had started Tinker Garden as really just a way to organize your own kids' education outdoors at first. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about just what the first Tinker Garden class was and how other people got involved and how it became a thing. Yeah. In many ways, it's still how Tinker Garden leaders and new communities begin as well, which is funny. We decided we would, there was a good bit of research and I had gone to the UK to study to be a forest school leader because that didn't exist here at the time. And I'd been reading, we'd been reading and just pouring over child development research and looking for the common threads mm -hmm. and play in nature just kept coming back. So thinking about what were the design of how you might create a learning experience. So we just put out on Park Slope Parents, which is the was the Yahoo group at the time <laughs> for anything for parents, just this sort of, hey, I'm going to try a nature play class up in Prospect Park if anyone's interested and had to do it a couple of times because friends can't just do it once. And so learned how to do a little local marketing. And then we got handfuls of families for two different days in the morning and started to put together a curriculum and work with families and kids. And first class. And that was the first class with 10 years ago, May 10th. And mm -hmm. we made nature crowns and we sang songs and 
it was so interesting to see the kids respond, but then to see the grownups respond. And being a mother at the time of then just about two-year-old, feeling my own response to other adults and the need for community and the need to see, to have our kids play together in a way that was supportive and non-judgmental and joyful and messy, but not in our apartment. Like, there were so many things about it that just ticked all these boxes. So it started us thinking about, wow, this is powerful. And it's a lot of hypotheses checked and then some new learning. And we just kept iterating on that in that class. And I think the other piece was blogging about it. So it threw up a Squarespace site and then we just started to have people find us. And we had a Facebook and a Twitter going and people were just like, can I do that? Can I do that? And I think that's when you got most excited about. Yeah. And I think in terms of that, it's like, I've had this experience through the kind of late nineties, early, the first two thousands of launching these products that were like large scale products that end up reaching hundreds of millions of people. But I, I, my, my experience through doing that was that unless you're Google or one of these other larger sites. Typically, you need to start somewhere and you need to start to build some kind of a following. So I think the original conception, I think, was just centered around we need to we need to prototype this right in a real way and we need to get some people in the world talking about it. So it just it turned out that was a really yeah. convenient way of being able to capture and publish the content that we were producing in order to run the classes. And then it it also offered up a way for people to be able to chat about it online. And so it was this really lightweight way of being able to experiment with the concept and get some like immediate feedback from real people who are in our neighborhood. Yeah. And I think as we started to do that, it's like some of these earlier preconceptions, things that you thought might've been a thing started to bear out in terms of right. the consumer behavior. And that's when we started to roll. And then when you were in those early stages of building the business, what was your childcare situation like? Like, how were you? <laughs> yeah. You could ask us this question for every, I don't know, six That's months of this whole thing. thing. <laughs> you do have to staff these things appropriately, which yeah. is always a moving target. It's very part-time for me. And so a lot of it was my nights and we, we would trade off for the research part of things because we did not have full, I was not working full-time on this at all. So we both had to kind of, and you were working full-time, so any contribution had to be around. So we did a lot of evenings and around, and we did have some babysitting time, but also Tinker Garden inherently and still today is a bring your kid experience. My kids benefited, and that was at the core of it. I do think we were solving a problem that was very much our own problem to solve too, which I think has so many important benefits for creating anything and having the will to keep going when you're creating something and bringing it to the world and iterating. But my, our kids were part of so much of it and at the classes. And, and so Tinker Garden's unique that way, I think. I'll say there, there was one intentional moment. And so what makes yeah. describing in terms of the classes is absolutely True. right. And you bringing the kids mm -hmm. to the classes and that being part of that half of the experience was, was very integrated. We also, though, had conversations about Very your true. headspace and your ability to yes. be able to actually put your head down and focus on developing content, for example. Yeah. And so I remember the moment where we said, let's try to get a babysitter for 10 hours a week. Yeah. And that's that was the moment at which we could actually free you up to, during yeah. not 11 o'clock at night to be able to actually focus for, right. I think it was like two days a week for yeah, four a, hours or something right. like that. And mm -hmm. then you were highly productive during those hours, right? Because so you knew productive. it was your time. Parents uh, are so productive when they get yeah. to focus. It's, wow. And then as things went on, as we start to develop, and of course, as we're raising money, et cetera, and it's starting to scale, yeah. that meant a lot more 
conversations, a lot more pitching, both of us having to like be absent from kids for a period of time. That's when grandparents were very helpful. Yeah. Uh, they weren't, they didn't live with us in the same city, but we were getting a lot of visits yeah. from Boston, then in Brooklyn to come down and hang out for a day or two. Um, just calling in some family favors, I think, for a while. Yeah, one lesson in 10 years is you need chief happiness officers if you have them or you need great child care. So we had both. We had two two sets of grandparents who are willing to come and spell, even great aunts at times, because you have, if you're going to do it together, you have to be able to travel together and or do things together and know that you're completely covered. Because it is really hard to manage that, especially when your kids are little, but still we need it. And then you have to have great childcare that's sufficient. And I'd say even redundant childcare, if you can, if it's really going, because it's very hard to juggle already your press fourth child, which is Tinker Garden, but you have to make trade-offs between what kids need and what the company needs is too hard. And it's, these are two very exceeding, extremely important things to you. So you just want to make sure kids are covered and then you have the headspace to do it. The only other thing I'd add is we did also decide that the whole idea of bringing kids on business travel, tried that once. <laughs> Another thing, we made a very clear rule after our expansion to the Bay Area, which was very exciting. We decided to fly out and have a number of events that were happening. We teed them all up and our kids were going to come and it was going to be great because we have so many friends out there. Right. And what, an hour into the cross-country flight, Ivy pokes Brian in the eye and he gets a <laughs> tear in his cornea. Oh, <laughs> and can't move. And I am like, now have all the children and the luggage in SFO. You are taken off the plate. Every day. And then I have all these events. We have no child care. We have a blind brand. It was just a disaster. So we decided that was one check. When we travel for business, we travel for business. We travel with our kids. We travel with our kids. Total separation. And I if think you learn anything from this conversation, don't do it. that's it. Yes. <laughs> what I do like about that, and Charlie is really good about this too, is always is being game for trying. Like it didn't work fine. It might've worked. You just don't know until you try. And I think that's been an, that's been important in us navigating this because sometimes it does work and that's amazing. And that makes things easier. And knowing when things don't work is also very important. I also have a very, I also have a very specific tactical question. Hmm. When you got the babysitter, did you just go lock yourself in a room and not come out until like, how do you pull back yeah. parenting when someone else who admittedly is like not going to be able to get the baby to stop crying as quickly as you can and all of that sort of stuff or yeah you know, or did you leave the house entirely how did you do that <laughs> so I think we might have different answers but I think it is easiest to leave once you feel like you've got a level of comfort and if you do a really good job you take the time that you need to feel like you're doing a really good handoff and then it's still a leap of faith but even having been a caregiver to other people's children and now having my own it every child can be soothed and it's easier for them to be soothed when the parent is not there because they will always want you and for you to be able to focus and ha be in the same space with them and not feel that pull for me is impossible. And it's been true all the way up. We now are seven, nine, and 11. If I'm still here, I am the person they want to see, or you're the person they want to see. Yep. <laughs> but and in COVID, it was particularly wild because it's, I made a rule for myself that when I was in the home, I'm mom as much as possible. And when I am out, I'm working. 
And it was just so much easier and having a place to go if you can and having a place, especially when you need to do thoughtful work. Kids learn over time. You can put things on the door and be like, I'm in a meeting and we're all working from home now. So we've developed a lot more strategies, but it's so much easier to just separate and then and enjoy the reunion mm-hmm. than try and work in that blurry space of I'm here, but I'm not here. Mm-hmm. That's tricky. Mm-hmm. I know what about you? Did you- exactly from that blurry space. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've yeah. hung out there for a long time. I mean, too. love listening to the wisdom of Megan. Yeah. And I keep thinking to myself, she should give herself that advice. Hard fuck. Because like, even today, as our three kids are here in our home, <laughs> having this conversation, we're struggling with it. So yes. it's like this, every parent who ever Absolutely. tries to do this will, will constantly struggle forever with it. That's true. But I think there is some wis- wisdom in that idea in that when you displace yourself, it's so much easier. And also it, it creates friction on our side too, because... I'm constantly like, no, no, don't pick her up. Don't pick her up. But then sometimes I'll pick her up. And he's just like, okay, wait, are we not picking her up? Or are we picking her up? When is it okay? And in my mind, I have a very clear mental structure of when it's okay and not. I I don't think I've quite conveyed that in any coherent description, but. Yeah. It's hard passing your baby off to other people, even if they're capable people. Yes. It is really hard. And most importantly, I guess, is have grace. Give yourself grace. Because it is hard. And part of it is loving them so much, is loving your kids so much. And that's such a powerful thing. And it's just, it's hard to balance it all. But, and you don't get it all right, but you learn as you go. So Mm -hmm. I certainly wouldn't have been so good at walking away when I was first starting it. But (laughs) yeah. So Let's shift over to being spouses and co-founders. Was there, I guess at some point, I guess there was never a point at which like Tinka Garden would become something that you, actually, I don't know the answer to this. Was there ever a thought that, that you would lean into Tinka Garden, but only with one of you? Was it actually a conversation where you're like, let's both work on this or was it just this should be worked on obviously it's both of us if we've painted a little bit of a picture of the progression here of the way things got going if you actually think about the history of this we've got a document I think when we bought the domain name was like it was before our kids and it was probably I think in 2008 or 2009 so this was like many years before right So there, there is an old document that I could probably dig up that was on many multiple machines ago, right? That, that had various concepts around the idea, but I don't, I I think it it was fairly, it was certainly much less evolved, right? Than the business that we're in today and scaling today and early, early stages, I would say it was more of an exploration. I don't think we paid much mind to, is this a concept that we would, you know, work on and do together? There were different life stages. Yes, you were very focused on a career track at that point. It was pre-kids. I think once we got going and it was time to think about this as a business, there was exactly zero question in either of our minds that we wouldn't do this other than together. It, it just was like, it was the kind of thing that like would never exist unless we did it together. I um, think we uniquely have complementary skills. So I think that's another thing is if we were both the education mind or both the technology mind and product mind, then it might be like, you could probably keep going with it and I could move more to the side or, and I think we both contribute, knew what we were good at, knew what the other person 
was expert at and then knew who we needed to build around us. But I think, yeah, I don't remember a time once we got really started to actually dig into it that we would have thought about it as not doing it together. Can you create those sort of partitions like co-founders, spouses, the same way you are as like mom, founder? That is the, that's the other work, right, is to try and create boundaries. And one of the hard things is that it's so close for both of us, the work and founding something is, it doesn't, like, there's no end to the day because stuff comes up and you're still the, you're still holding the last, you're holding it in some way. So there will be days when I'm still trying to solve a problem after the kids go to bed and I'm like looking for my thought partner and my thought partner is like, I am done. <laughs> Like I need to be done for the day or vice versa. So you do have to know when to draw lines and just say, we've got to let it go and just put it in a box. And then just talk. It's just, it's very similar to parenting though, because you could talk about your kids constantly and they could make their needs the sort of constant focus. And at times you need to put it aside and find your way to either have a date night or have a conversation that's not about the kids or the or the family or the what do you mean i don't understand what do you mean a conversation not about yeah i don't don't know what would you talk about i know it's so hard because they're so interesting but yeah maybe a movie (laughs) um but so there's this maybe it's that we've done like date night or this or just the kind of a signal of like it is time to shut it down and and that's been really important and to be able to feel like you can say that it's hard. It's so easy. You get hooked on solving the problems or turning them over in your head when you're entrepreneurial. And that's a really hard thing to turn down, but you have to be, you have to do it for, it's almost better because you have the other person you care so much about. You're like, oh, we shouldn't, we should just call it a day. I know anything else that you think about? I feel like early on, actually, we were pretty lucid about this whole thing. And it probably had a whole lot to do with like my experiences of being through the startup machine, like a number of times and just knowing how all-consuming it ends up becoming. And so I'm about to get on the I don't know if that's on our side or their side. It's our, oh, go back to now the station. Sure. Yeah. We're good now. Or maybe not. Maybe we should just turn off video. Okay. Uh-oh. Can you hear us now? Damn you, Zoom. Okay. I think we're back. I think we didn't uh, network. We can hear you now. Okay. okay. You can turn the video off too. We don't need video if that's oh, okay. That's probably good. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yep. Maybe that should be just in case. Okay. So, Brian, you were talking about having been through the sort of startup machine before. And I'm curious, like, perhaps it's just different. But do you think that being in a startup together is easier? or harder than had you just gone on your own sort of more corporate or institutional career tracks independently? 
It's a great question, and I hate to answer it in a obtuse way, but I think it's actually both. Yeah. I think it's certainly easier in many respects, in the sense that if you think about the friction in communication around having to describe to somebody why you may be all consumed in a moment or why you're perseverating on a problem or an issue, et cetera, there is beauty and simplicity and power in having doing this with your partner who not only is that a short conversation or a half sentence, but they probably read it on your face even before you speak. So there's just a massive efficiency with being able to do this with your life partner that is an advantage. And then at the, I think at the same time, it's more complicated, right? In many respects, because you love and respect this person so much and you know that there needs to be like boundaries and respect and and where you could infinitely talk about so many layers of things. But if you chose to go down every single one of those paths, both of your heads would explode. That's the delicate balance, I think. Yeah, and I'd just add, I think it's harder, but with benefits that make it totally worth it. Mm -hmm, <laughs> I have to answer mm -hmm. it concisely. Because your home is, you have two people mm -hmm. who are fully dedicated to something and anyone who's entrepreneurial knows startups require a lot that a job within a larger organization doesn't require, but they also come with rewards. Being able to share in big moments and achievements. And for us, the fact every time we see new milestones of kids who have played outside and families who've been changed. And then and that work being so parallel to your parenting, which you care so much about has been you know, that's so rewarding. And we can both decide to be at special things with our kids because you also have the ability to create culture and create a culture that supports people being parents or having lives outside, which has been important to us at Tinker Garden. And you can't always have that kind of um, influence over a job when you slot in. But there are definitely challenges. I agree with everything Brian said, but I think we would look back and say, you just would never give it up. You mm -hmm. never would have done it differently. I'm curious about something you guys said super early when we had first started talking about raising money for this business. When Megan was pregnant and you were about to have your third, I started, we started talking about like the idea of raising money. And I remember you said something along the lines of, hey, I don't know what your expectations are, but clearly we have a lot of things to do that aren't this business and we are not going to be always burning i forget how you described it but like always burning the candle on both ends dedicating our whole lives to this business because we like have three kids and a newborn and, and all of that sort of stuff and i remember saying look like you're adults you know what the goals of the business are what the resources you have to work with are you'll you figure it out and i'm curious now that you've gone through it how did you manage the growth demands and time demands of being in a startup and having investors mm -hmm. with just the parenting demands? If somebody is saying, can I be a parent and work at a startup at the same time? Like, how did you manage that? Yeah. First, I do want to go back to that moment because Kim, Charlie, I'm not sure if we've ever even had this depth of this conversation, but I do feel like your perspective at that point was very pivotal for us. And we're, I think Megan and I are both people who are, we are people who it's like our integrity is, matters a lot. And we would never think 
to get in business with anybody if it didn't feel completely like something that we could put our hearts into and minds into and that everybody who was engaged understood the rules of engagement. And so I think in many ways, like your flexibility during that moment and your ability to say, hey, you're people too, and the world doesn't expect you not to be, was a green light in many respects for us to be able to say, he's right, we can do both of these things. And I think that as we have seen cultures of startups, I think, start to evolve over the past number of years here, I think you see a lot more of that. There's real skin in the game where it comes to what does it mean to actually be a person in the world and to have balance in your lives and to be a highly productive, right, contributor to to this venture. So I think that kind of clarity and headspace matters a lot. And then, yes, when it comes to this thing is starting to scale and we have the demands of the day and the child and what the kids need, et cetera. To be perfectly honest with you, it is an exercise in just spinning plates on a daily basis, right? You are really trying to give everybody what everybody needs all at the same time. And of course, there are forced rankings and choices that you need to make at any given time. It really forces you to be just very focused on the priorities in the moment. And and sometimes, you know, of course, sometimes the family wins, right? (laughs) Sometimes if one of our children need us to slow down and have a conversation, and it happens to be four in the afternoon, and there's a something important that has to happen, sometimes that thing has to wait. 30 minutes for us to have that conversation. At the same time, there's another way that can go, which is if a child needs you and it's really not urgent, that child also needs to learn that mom and dad work and there's something else that the family needs to support too. And so there's learning that happens, I think, on both ends. Are your kids just tired of hearing about Tinkergarten? (laughs) (laughs) I think they may tell you that sometimes for sure, but they've actually remained a pretty big part of it. Like they love to come up with ideas. And if you came to our summer solstice event, you'd see our middle one singing and doing the movements on the video. And Tinker Garden Anywhere is our new on-demand product, which is starting to spread widely now. And uh, they're highly featured in there. It's a great way for them to be involved. You know, we film here, we do stuff here. They're just, I don't know, they're very curious. They just are very outdoorsy kids, needless to say. So they, I think they do appreciate it. There are times when they're like, oh, geez, enough of this. I wish, but luckily it's been something that they've grown up with and put their imprint on too. So I think they feel some ownership around it, I'd say. Yeah. say. And I think it is probably a reflection of how we like to spend our time as a family anyway. Yeah. So I'm not sure in some cases, it doesn't really feel like Tinker Garden to them. It just feels like hanging out with your but parents. But we're doing on the weekend. Yeah. There's a, what may be an apocryphal story about Pierre Omidyar and eBay and the rating system, the seller rating system, and that apparently he like didn't want to have to deal with like customer complaints over the weekends or something to that effect. And so that was where the idea for seller ratings came in that you just, if you had a bad experience with somebody, you just mark them and that eventually no one would want to deal with the bad sellers. And so the customer service problems would decrease. So the site would be more manageable for someone who didn't want to do it 24-7. Are there things that you, or the way that you have built Tinker Garden that aren't in the building is your sort of own personal life constraints in any way that has actually like made the product better or the way that you've trained the folks? 
That's a fascinating question. Yeah, it's a really interesting question. I think one we mentioned a little bit earlier that I was basically a stay-at-home mom when we started. Mm -hmm. And so out of necessity, Maeve came with me. But Mm -hmm. I realized that being able to model being a parent in this kind of education was pretty powerful. And then for me, Maeve did fine when she got into it. So it was like, huh, that would enable so many people in the position I'm in to give the gift of teaching and to give their family something. So that was one of those that just, and that's true today, 75% of Tinker Garden leaders bring their kids to the classes, which is pretty remarkable. And it's a huge benefit that your family can be part of it and that you don't have to balance childcare with your professional life. So that's one that I think served us and has served Tinker Garden. And I think the way that we run any of the teacher training and support and orientation is very much centered around this kind of understanding. I mean, at at the very least, Megan and I need to put dinner on the table for our kids during five and eight eight o'clock at night. So most of these trainings actually happen later at night. And it turns out that it can be accommodating. Absolutely. Yeah, multiple times. You, norms around loving seeing people's children in the screen on Zoom. Long before there was that newscaster whose kid was in the back of that <laughs> one that spread all over. Like we've had babies and spouses and people have lives. So we've made the norms of everything we do, just yeah. starting right from your life and Tinker Garden, because it's such personal work blend together. And I think our staff too, just flexibility, a flexible time off policy and really supportive policies that, and ways of working together that understand that we, most people have families, whether they have children or not, and we're humans who are connected to others and things come up and we just make it really easy to make sure that you can focus on that. And that's a value. So I think that we couldn't have done it without that being very explicit Mm -hmm. (laughs) from the beginning, but I think it's allowed us to bring people on and have them thrive also on the team. And and maybe we should just, before we let you guys go, this has been fantastic. Let's actually just give the one minute pitch for Tinker Garden for we have parent listeners here and we've talked a little bit about that it's outdoors and everything, but what what should parents know about Tinker Garden, both IRL and what you guys are doing digitally? Yeah, Tinker Garden, we're helping people get outside and make the most of their early learning years. And we're enabling people with young kids to to be able to step outside and have their kids connect with the outside world in a way that builds these necessary life skills, but also connects them to nature. And we've got these two formats that we do this in. We've got in real life classes that take place in parks nationwide and we run classes in all 50 states in 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 over 10,000 locations we've run them in over the years and we also offer a product called Tinker Garden Anywhere which allows you to basically take Tinker Garden with you in your pocket and it's an on on demand version of Tinker Garden that that allows any family to be able to get access to lessons and learn how to make great use of the time with their kids And absolutely, I would just add on to that, that parenting is hard. And even though we share this wisdom that we've developed, we're still developing it. And you love these little people and you're trying to balance it all, but the being able to have beautiful moments with them, which are actually simple when you have the idea and you can get out and in an easy way, engineer them. And that's not always easy to come by when there's so much going on in your world. 
And so those ideas, that community to do it with, these pieces are just so powerful. And I think I remember what our first CTO, when we were trying to articulate what Tinker Garden's all about, he's like, we're in the joy business. And I was like, that's so interesting. If you remember Gary, it's wow, that's interesting. But I think at the end of the day, we are also in the joy business and just being able to slow down and enjoy your kids and from in and have grace to be whoever you are right now. And just a little bit of joy that you get from being outside, from playing and being with them. I think it's it can be hard in the middle of everything to just capture those. And we just try and make that possible. That's my favorite way to think about it. And, sometimes. and for what ages? How young can they be? Yep. The program's designed for kids one and a half to eight. Awesome. And one of the things that I like is that you run classes basically all year round. And I'll never forget one of my investors, when we were closing the original round, asked the question of what do you do during the winter? And Megan's response is, we put coats on the kids. I really appreciate the fact that you were getting kids out and about in the elements. We certainly is... Mirren came home with us in November and she spent a lot of time bundled up over the winter. And I always think about that every time we took her outside. That's great. Yeah. Thanks so much for spending time with us. We really appreciate it. This was so much fun. And Um, good luck with this. I think it's such a great idea. I want to listen. We're learning so much. I'm sure. (laughs) We actually might be asking you about it because we've always thought about it. You're like, huh. There you go. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, you guys. So nice to meet you. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Bye-bye.